It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios. Welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me or you or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. Sandy Rios with you this morning coming to you live from... Uh, Hold their feet to the fire 2022. We're sitting on top of uh, Fox News Channel where they broadcast from D.C. where I worked for many, many years. CNN is here too. And we're on the rooftop uh, overlooking the city. I can see Union Station. It's just it's gorgeous. It's just a beautiful morning. And, of course, there are radio show, talk show hosts from all over the country. And the topic, of course, is illegal immigration. We've been doing this for so many years, and I'm going to introduce our next guest and we can talk about how many years, but let me just give you an example or kind of a meter of what we're talking about. Since the Biden administration took over, there have been 4.4 million illegal crossings at our border. 4.4 million. We have 850,000 who got away. We don't even know who they are or where they are. Uh, we also have a fentanyl problem. Our young people are dying and older people are dying because of the fentanyl that's being smuggled across. Illegal immigrants are dying. They're, I heard yesterday they found 5,000 of them dead out in the desert and they think, you know, in the crossing into, in Mexico. And they think that there's probably 5,000 more out there. It is really a human tragedy. And it's a tragedy for this country because if it continues unchecked, we will lose our country. Reminds me of Rome, Rome, you know, Rome. Part of why Rome fell was because the hordes uh, came in from the south and they were not stopped because Rome was so corrupt. They were decaying from within and they couldn't stop it. So this is what this reminds me of. It is a crisis. You're hearing about it in the news almost every single day. There's something about it. And with me is Dan Stein. He's the president of the Federation for American Immigration Reform. They are the hosts of this event. Dan, always a pleasure. Thanks for joining me. So glad to see you again, Sandy. You know, Dan, uh, remind me, we started, did this start during the Bush administration? I think I've been with you since you guys started this. Probably, yeah. We did some initial forays in Bush 1, but then, yeah, certainly during the Herbert Walker Bush administration. And then with the W administration, we did oh, the some w, as well. I meant the W, yeah, okay. About 15 years for the big yeah. version. Yeah, well, that's how, yeah, I've been, I think I've been to every one for 15 years. And it's a pleasure. You guys do it so well. But um, let me ask you, contrast if you can, Dan. Um, the the immigration situation, when you started this, you thought it was bad. And now 15 years later, can you contrast the two? What were the concerns well, 15 years ago? There's always been growing migration pressure around the world as the number of people has grown and the number of information, the information they have and the ability to move. But we always were concerned that in the hands of a corrupt and unprincipled executive that they might actually unleash a flood at the border for political gain and partisan advantage. And under the Biden administration, which is essentially controlled by Obama holdovers, they've decided to double down, dismantle everything Trump put in place and intentionally sabotage and, and create a catastrophic border situation. It's not just a crisis. Well, and in fact, it's about a billion and a half people who'd like to come here. So what we're looking at is actually the mere first trickle of what could come a, become a completely uncontrolled flood. 
of people. We don't know who they are. Many of them are criminals, terrorists coming through. Some of them are, I suppose, as Donald Trump said, good people. But the bottom line is, respect for law is a cornerstone of citizenship. And what has always distinguished our country is we have a, a legal system that, that works. And we have an immigration system, but the president has said, look, the numerical limits that Congress has passed can be ignored by DHS, and they can just let anybody come in who wants to and to give them a green card or uh, give them a work document, tell them maybe they'll show up for a hearing years later uh, and uh, disappear, and, and knowing full well they're never going to be removed. The whole system's become a fraud on the American people. It's a fraud on the American people. Yeah, when Kamala Harris said, what, last week, that the border's secure? The border's secure. Uh, well, we ha this is a new phenomenon, having po po political officials who stand there and tell you flat out something that your own eyes and ears tell you is a lie. And PolitiFact, where are these you know, so-called fact checkers, right? I mean, come on. This is absurd to be told that the border is secure when you have millions and millions of illegal aliens pouring into the country, fentanyl killing American kids every single day, cartels operating, smugglers, prostitutes, the whole nine yards, indentured servitude coming back in our cities. This is so regressive. It, it, improper inspections mean you're reintroducing contagious diseases. You don't have effective control. This is a national invasion. It's the worst administration in the history of the country, by far. You've never had a president willfully go in and sabotage. I mean, the only redeeming thing that's happening, Sandy, is that everybody saw the Trump administration get control of it. They watched Biden come in in 60 days, executive order after executive order, dismantle it. They saw the, the ensuing catastrophe, so they no longer believe this is something we can't control. They realize that this is cynical political corruption at its worst. You know, isn't it ironic that Trump is the criminal? Trump is the criminal. And Biden is the just the old guy, the the moderate or whatever they used to say. I'm not sure what the never says in about our now. history has a president gone in front of any but the American people and declared war on half the population, which is what he did in front of Independence Hall, weaponizing Department of Justice, the FBI to to partially administer, you know, go after and investigate people. This harassment of Trump from the Trump at RussiaGate thing to the claim that it was a fraudulent election in 2016, you know, to the, I mean, watching the so-called legacy media and their behavior. If you're an American, obviously you no longer trust those. How could you trust those sources? The good news is talk radio has an engaged audience and talk radio hosts are now more credible than ever. You know, I think, uh, I think there's no question, Dan, that talk radio even, well, we stopped Remember the huge amnesty that George W. Yeah, Bush wanted to sure. implement. He was really he was terrible on this, and talk radio really was was the thing. And two thousand two was the thing that stood uh, in the gap there and stopped it. And so, I think that's the only reason. Pe we know this is the only reason people know the truth about this. It's true about every issue, but right now we're focusing on immigration. So, Kamala Harris uh, mentioned something last week that re reminded many of us that the Democrats had. An immigration plan, you know the you know the, the new uh, the uh, the Senate and the House and also uh, uh, Joe Biden they had a plan but it couldn't pass. What do you think that's going to if if 2022 the midterms go to the Democrats? What do you think we can expect with that? And by the way, I, second question to that: What difference would it make? They're doing it anyway, right? Well, the plan is is to maximize the inflow and then push an amnesty and then get them into the voting booth. They have funded these organizations to register voters as soon as possible. 
I'm assuming my orcas, because he ignores the law, will start naturalizing aliens who are not eligible for citizenship just to get them into the voting booth. Yeah. It's machine-style political corruption. Anybody can, you know, see it. So, I mean, why would you why would you dismantle effective border control, interior enforcement, state and local cooperation, even deporting, you know, bad guys? They won't even do that. And Biden himself, this guy is like, he's so without of it. I mean, I don't, how can this guy actually have the nuclear codes? He can't even find his way out of a, the men's room. I mean, this thing is so dangerous. Uh, we're, we're, I, won't, I won't digress about China and Russia, but the point is we're in a very dangerous time. The, the volatility of the number of people who could be moving and surging across these borders on any given time, you know, is, is very tenuous. It's very volatile. Uh, and, and, and we don't have the deployed resources. We don't have the, the people in place to deter that kind of flow. Everything we, we love as our society, our educational system, our housing, our infrastructure, our culture, Medical our care. sense of common bonds, the things that tie us together as a community, all these things are being disrupted by too rapid immigration from all over the world. We can't absorb and assimilate all these people so quickly. We need some kind of a breather to be able to do that. If the, if the Republicans don't even take the House, they would probably double down on this rolling amnesty. It would naturally change the, the electorate, probably in favor of the Democrats on the national level. This is the objective. They want to dominate as a one-party one party governance for 50 years, and they're trying to use immigration to do it. Dan, I'll ask you this question. I, I talk about this so my audience knows how I feel about it. But uh, if we peel back the layers... Uh, do you think there's something even more sinister about this than trying to get more Democratic voters? What do you well, think they're trying here? to move toward a globalist agenda. They don't believe in the nation state. These are people who want us to be adhering to international organizations. They want to defer to the United Nations on how many people we admit and under what conditions and not the American people. When you have an administration that tells Congress, gives it the middle finger and says the limits you establish don't matter and we can just take over whatever we want. Remember, every time Trump tried to enforce the law, the ACLU tried to get an injunction, right? Right. Now, Obama's sitting there admitting millions of people illegally and you see any courts stopping him? Well, states are trying, we're trying, our law institute is trying, but the asymmetry and the imbalance is remarkable. Even these aliens who were given a free ride to Martha's Vineyard now have a class action suit filed against DeSantis because that's their you know, weapon of choice is to go to courtrooms because they can't win in public opinion. Well, that, it's interesting that you say Martha's Vineyard in this Episcopal Church, they set up right away legal counsel for the immigrants. And well, they Biden, for legal you know, the, we estimate that $20 billion taxpayers are paying just for the illegal aliens that Biden has admitted. He just asked for an additional $30 billion to provide free lawyers for unaccompanied minors. $30 billion. How many Americans would like a free lawyer? I mean, the, the priorities, the misplaced priorities about their, you know, what about homeless veterans? What about the people who fought and served and, and defended this country? Remember, they were going to give half a million dollars to families that they said were separated by Trump. We don't give the families of, 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 of Gold Star families that kind of benefit. No, absolutely I mean, not. The, 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 they obviously don't love this country. I mean, what can you say about the fact that they so they think so little of citizenship that they're willing to just give it away? Well, to people who just don't even understand how to respect our law. I also think the question is, if you were an enemy of the state, if this, if you're an enemy of this country, what would you do differently to destroy it? I can't think of anything. I think of George Soros, you know, who's been around for a long time, the uh, billionaire 
Hungarian-born American, American, I guess in quotes, who, you know, he has spent a fortune, he's <clears throat> continuing to spend a fortune to do away with borders, not just in this country, but in other right. countries around the world. Because there, Look, the administration, are witting conspirators with cartel operatives in a smuggling operation by the millions, with no intention of these people ever being removed. As I say, it's a fraud on the public. It's, a take, it's taking advantage of people's goodwill. We, we love the story of immigration, but we love America more. And this administration doesn't understand the keys to what make a country like ours successful. And it's not border chaos and anarchy. It's not letting criminal cartels run all over your borders and poison your children and, and, and traffic in humans and create you know, a class-based society of predatory uh, human behavior and, and destroying your public school system such as it exists now as it is. There, look, there is an agenda. All you have to do is look at things like CRT and the way they want to rewrite history and realize that they, they, they simply don't like what America was and they want to use immigration to change it. Immigration ought to be about who we are as a people. It ought to be a bipartisan issue, deliberative, careful, yes, consensus, like it used to be. conversation. Like it used to be. And it ought to be based on a legal system that we all can support and be proud of. And this is just, it is reprehensible. Biden is the worst president in American history. And I say that not lightly. You know, you consider people like, um, you know, Chester Arthur and, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, good grief. Well, anyway, uh, Jimmy, Carter. Jimmy Carter. <laughs> Jimmy Carter. Well, no, it's much worse than Carter. Carter was just mediocre and, and incompetent. <laughs> this is malicious, uh, orchestrated sabotage. Well, Wilson. You might think of Wilson. Hey, Widow Wilson. I'm thinking of uh, I, well, the name is <laughs> senior moment here. We're going to get it. Uh, Rutherford Hayes, uh, maybe Mc, Mc, McKinley. There are a bunch of them. But Look I mean, at this. You know, the, the wheels are turning, ladies and gentlemen, because he is. Re I can see the wheels. He's counting. He's look, going back in history. He memorized all the presidents, right? So you're going back. I can't even do that. Ulysses Grant is who I'm thinking of, who oh, was really? drunk half the time, you know. As the president? When he was president. He was a lousy, good general, lousy president. Uh, oh, interesting. Well, so, but now we have Joe Biden. I actually think, um, Dan, I actually think Joe is much more cognizant than we. He fumbles. I think they're, inevitably, I believe they're probably giving him something to sharpen his mind. Because oh, yeah. he's still Joe Biden, that mean, uh, conniving, kind of snarky person he's been for decades and has enough cognition to kind of enjoy this it seems like he's kind of enjoying this he if he were that's what doesn't make sense to me you've got this he's smart about that stuff about the meanness but he can't figure out how to get off the platform this is just strange isn't it well but the way the media behaved during the trump administration when trump was so available and did so many interviews and yet biden is handled he gets to have to pick his questioners uh, they don't really do very many interviews, and the media stand there like a bunch of Shropshire sheep. It's embarrassing to watch these professionals stand there looking like fools. And the average American, I mean, how can they believe the legacy media anymore? But, you know, they need Trump, apparently, more than the Republican Party does at this point. DeSantis is showing himself as a potentially viable candidate in 24, and he also knows he comes without some of Trump's personal baggage. But his, his masterful way of pushing back on the left shows many of the same features that we loved about Trump. That's for sure. Um, do you ever wonder if when the American people are going to have enough? This is the thing that I can't, I think that we just don't even know what to do. It's so bad. And of course, well, the they, they had enough before. Nobody, nobody, nobody with any brains figure believes that Biden was legitimately elected. 
They changed the voting rules. Everybody saw the vote pattern come in. The state legislature is supposed to handle the rules. They, the way the private money went in and marshaled the money, they micro-target the tech companies to deliver the votes exactly where they needed to with people just filling out ballots for president only, no down ballot. There was nothing statistically skewed about the down ballot voting, just the president voted. Anybody could see that. And the technology is such that they now have this ability to do this. So under the right conditions, if you date, if you get, don't have a national ID card to verify eligibility to vote, and you go to mail-in ballots and destroy the private, the idea of you know one person, one vote, the, 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 the private ballot, which is what you're doing, you set up vote harvesting on the whole nine yards. So, I mean, it, it, how did anybody believe that Biden won that election when he went out and, and basically never left his basement? No, I so, know. I mean, for all these Americans who are being demonized, the, the, the Democrats are acting like Biden wasn't legitimately elected because they keep attacking Republicans and people who are saying it wasn't legitimate. Oh, yes. If they really believed it was legitimate, they wouldn't pay any attention to it. it so they're hiding something. It's interesting for you to be so open about that, uh, Dan, because I am. I mean, I've, I'm right with you in the same camp. I don't see how people can see it any differently. And yet the, it's dangerous for you to say what you did, like especially in D.C., I mean, they're, they already, the, the Justice Department is weaponizing uh, attorneys, uh, their, their um, what district, what do they call their federal guys that go out, the 59 of them, whatever they are, in the various areas of the country, and they're weaponizing them to go after uh, violent, you know, domestic extremists well, like yeah, us who don't believe the, the bias and how they're prosecuting the but law. But they are, this is a yeah, new initiative. You have to have a government worth defending. If it doesn't adhere to the principles of our Constitution and the even-handed impartial administration of justice, it's not a what government worth supporting. Yeah. I've been in this town my whole life. I was born in this town and really? I love this town and I love what I believe this building over here represents the Capitol. It has been compromised by this administration in ways that are shocking to the conscience of anybody there were there were socialists that the New York legislature refused to seat in 1920. There were the Palmer raids, the Lust Committee, and others who were basically bending all the rules to try to track down socialists. American people were brave enough to stand up and say, "This is not impartial justice. It's not what America is." Where are the Americans today who will stand up and say the same thing now? This is outrageous what is going on. And any American, and then the, then the president has the audacity to call somebody an American who doesn't stand up and object to this. Oh, I know. It's, it's just amazing. And they're jailing the people that actually stood up. That's the conundrum here. So, And then they're kind of baiting right now, I think, well, baiting. Victor Davis Hanson said this was, yeah. a, this was a, a, you know, a protest that got out of control on January 6th. Well, I think it was egged on by... And we're supposed by, to memory hole everything that happened in 2020 on all those cities? And it was egged on by, uh, by some of the police that were in the force, not all the police. The answer to your question is yeah. people aren't stupid. No. And yeah. politicians fail who take for granted the intelligence of the American people. Right. The American people will try once again to go to the polls and do what they keep doing, electing good people. But in the end, you, if you can't win an election because it's rigged, what are you going to do? Dan, uh, it, I don't know. We're just doing our best. And it's amazing to me, and it's a tribute to your character, that you have lived here all these years and you still see clearly. Hardly anybody does that in D.C., and I do. I think it's a tribute to character. Dan Stein of the Federation for American Immigration Reform, our host for this wonderful thanks event. For being it's here, Hold Their Feet to the Fire 2022. Dan, thanks a lot. Always a pleasure. All right, coming up next, Brandon Judd will join us. He's a Border Patrolman. He's also the head of one of the largest Border Patrol unions. Uh, he'll tell us. You've seen him on television, Brandon. so passionate, and I'm looking forward to talking to him. So stay tuned. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk.
If you are 65 or older, you know this. It's really frustrating to deal with out-of-pocket medical expenses, watching your hard-earned dollars just flying out the window. Well, here's something that can really help, and it's worth taking a minute to look into. MediShare has a new option called MediShare 65+. Plus. MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's health care bills, and it really is a community. People encourage and pray for each other. And MediShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B that fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years. It's great for peace of mind. And you can use your Medicare-approved doctor and get prescription savings, dental and vision savings, very worth looking into, and it's so easy to find out why people rave about the customer service at MediShare. They're great to talk to on the phone. Here's the number. Call 833-45-BIBLE. That's 833-45-BIBLE. 833-45-BIBLE. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down each day from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Michael Orlando, Acting Director of the National Counterintelligence and Security Center. His office leads counterintelligence efforts for the U.S. government. Psalm 138.7 reminds us of God's protection from evil. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand delivers me. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Michael Orlando as he works to protect U.S. assets and interests. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. This is an important election year in your state and all across the country. And we are joining together to pray the vote. Details at pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starn. Stand by for news and commentary next. Liberty University's K-12 Online Academy is the best of a homeschool, private school, and Bible-based education all rolled into one. With LUOA, you can take charge of your child's learning environment and create a structured yet flexible schedule that works for your family. Our qualified teachers are easily accessible for guidance and support along the way. And with new classes starting every Monday, it's never too late to make the switch to LUOA. To learn more, text LUOA to 88741. That's LUOA to 88741. California Governor Gavin Newsom is calling on the Justice Department to investigate Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Newsom is outraged over two plane loads of illegals that were flown one way to Martha's Vineyard. Newsom says sending illegals to a playground for the rich and famous was cruel, humiliating, dehumanizing, a disgrace, and illegal. Now, that's interesting, because in 2004, Newsom, who was then mayor of San Francisco, came up with a solution to the city's homeless crisis. He put thousands of homeless people on buses with one-way tickets out of town. Some might call that cruel, humiliating, and dehumanizing. DeSantis says the plane rides were voluntary, suggested the California governor's hair products might be interfering with his brain function. Meanwhile, Newsom wants to debate DeSantis a bad idea, a California featherweight jumping into a ring with a Florida heavyweight. I'm Todd Starnes. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Getter or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. All right, Sandy Rios with you on this beautiful, beautiful morning in Washington, D.C. I'm looking at, uh, yeah, what am I looking at? I'm looking at the city, and it's just beautiful. It's, it's cool. 
We're outside on the roof of where Fox broadcasts, where I worked for so many years. And um, it's just nice to be back, nice to be here. Uh, and sitting across from me is really national treasure. Brandon Judd, you see him on television, and it's never a waste because Brandon always has something of value to say. He is a currently a Border Patrolman, but he's also president of the National Border Patrol Association. Um, and Brandon, you've been a, patrol, uh, a Border Patrol agent for like 20 years, right? 25. Yes. 25 years. Yeah. Um, tell tell us right now what is your job like on a daily basis? <laughs> what what happens when you get up in the morning and what's going on? We feel worthless. Uh, look, the, the toughest job that I ever did in my life was where I worked concrete in Phoenix, Arizona, when I was in, in in college. But every single time we left the the job site, we were able to look back and we were able to see that we we accomplished something. Um, right now, board patrol agents, we just don't feel like we're accomplishing anything. We go home after every single shift and we feel like that that what, what we did was we just got paid for doing absolutely nothing. We know that everybody that we take into custody is, is ultimately going to be released into the United States. There are no consequences from this administration. Nothing is going on. And because our hands are completely tied um, dealing with illegal immigration, uh, people that are going to ultimately be released into the United States, that means that we can't go after the cartels. We can't go after the drugs that are coming in that are, that are killing so many of our citizens. And that's what we want to do. We put that uniform on every single day because we want to go out and we want to protect the American people, the American public. And we just can't do that under, the, under this administration's policies. You know, Brandon, I have to confess to you, my husband's a former FBI agent. And when the FBI, uh, way, way back when, was a wonderful organization, it was very prestigious. And um, yes. it was just solid. It was. And I, but I didn't know much about Border Patrol until all of this illegal immigration discussion came up. And I've been now it for a long time and then I've, I just realized what heroes Border Patrol agents have been for well, years what quality men standing on the border down there protecting and so it's just kind of a, 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 a I'm not sure what to call it it's a violation of your conscience it to is. make you stand down there and, and pretend like you're protecting when they tie your hands give us an example of how your hands are tied like Specifically, so so when you look at the, what what the cartels are currently doing, if if you look at the, uh, the the video that's being captured in Eagle Pass, Texas, right now, um, the cartels what they do is they they, they flood our resources with um, large groups of illegal um, um, border crossers. And, what, and when they flood our resources, what that does is it, is it causes us to send Border Patrol agents to that area. If, if you have a group of 400 people that cross the border illegally, that's going to take um, anywhere between 20 to 30 agents to be deployed to that area. When we deploy those agents to that area, we're stripping um, the border of, of the resources. And when we strip the border of the resources, that, that um, causes gaps in our coverage. And when, they, when we have those gaps in our coverage, that allows the criminal cartels to bring in their higher value products, whether that's the fentanyl, criminal aliens, aliens from special interest countries, countries like Uzbekistan, Pakistan, um, Iraq, Iran, you know, all of these countries that want to do us um, um, harm, um, that's when these cartels are able to get their products across the border. And that's the dangerous aspect of border security. And that's why border security is so important and and, and and we just want to protect the American people. We just don't feel like we can do that right now. Yeah, it's terrible. It'd be like a, a husband having to watch his children and his wife uh, raped and abused and being able to be helpless. To, it's, it's violating. It really is. Um, the morale among the Border Patrol agents, I know, is pretty low. It has to be, especially like the, the, those guys on horses that were supposedly whipping the... Uh, <laughs> The people in the water, which is totally bogus. The report said it was totally bogus. It never happened. And yet they're still being punished. You know, it's it's amazing that a president of the United States is able to get up 
and and make a false allegation against law enforcement officers and he's never apologized for that even though it was proven that these agents never hit anybody they didn't whip anybody they didn't use their reins um as whips to to abuse any individual, yet the President of the United States score political points vilified law enforcement officers. You know, when you look at, when you look around the nation right now, um, law enforcement officers were being vilified and criminals are being romanticized. And that's why the crime is out of control right now here in the United States. So what keeps you guys, your guys going? I think you're what, 1,700, something like that in your union? Oh, we've got uh, right, about 16,500. Right. 16, okay. Right. 16,500 nationwide. Okay. Nation, nationwide. All right. So uh, what keeps you guys going? Was it like a brotherhood? Uh, the hopes, the, like, the, the hopes that it's going to get better. You know, yeah. there, there's ebbs and flows. You know, we, we understand that elections have consequences. We just hope that that the proper people are going to get elected and with the, with the proper people getting elected we, we can have the policies in place you know I, I get consulted all the time um, you know we just had a congressman walk by uh, shake my hand right now right yes I saw right. myself um, you know I get consulted all the time on Capitol Hill what what is needed do we need more resources do we need more technology do we need more infrastructure we don't we don't need any of that that costs the American taxpayer a lot of money what we need is policy and by the way that doesn't cost the taxpayer anything um, if we had the proper policy we could secure the border and so we we, we we're holding out hope that we're going to get that, that elections will in fact have consequences and that we can get the proper policy back Brandon, I, I, I know we know the answer to this, but from your perspective, when President Trump took over in the only four years, yep. was it true? Did you see the illegal immigration dry up? Is that true? What did you not see only, with your eyes? Not only did illegal immigration dry up, but then we were able to go after, after the criminal cartels. There were less okay. drugs on our streets under President Trump than the previous presidents. When we can, you know, it shouldn't surprise anybody that the amount of narcotics that are on the street today coincides with illegal immigration. The cartels know this. They understand that. And they know that all they have to do is flood our resources and then they get the drugs across. So if we can drive illegal immigration to Lowe's, then we can save American lives by going after the cartels, going after their more dangerous products. But right now we just can't do that. So if we had different leadership, can we stop this? Oh, absolutely. It's like a Light switch. Um, if 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 we implemented policy tomorrow, we could drive illegal immigration to all-time lows within a week. Brandon, I have to. I know you have another interview, uh, and I want you to go because I'm respectful of my other. Sandy, host. that's very nice of you. I, pre- <laughs> I appreciate that. Anyway, Brandon, again, is the president of the National Border Patrol Association, and God bless you, Brandon. Thank you, Sandy. For appreciate all your it. hard work, you, I mean, you, I think you know. Our, our, our only agents. in heaven will you realize how much of what a difference you've made. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. You have yeah. a great day. Yeah. Okay. You too. All right. Sitting next to Brandon is my next guest, which I'm going to ask her to come over here next to me. Susan Kibbe. Here I am, back on the mic. Susan <laughs> is the executive director of South Texas Property Rights Association, and of course uh, that conjures up all kinds of images. Uh, welcome, Susan. Thanks for joining Thank us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Hey, uh, uh, just uh, kind of a general question. Are you talking about just ranchers? Are you talking about homeowners? What property rights do you or businesses? What? So this, um, what started back in 2006, uh, actually in 2005, because of concerns, landowner concerns in Brooks County, which it has the largest checkpoint, Border Patrol checkpoint in the nation in South Texas. And uh, we just saw an uptick in the illegal immigration. So that was our formation issue 
but now we're up to 10 different various issues that affect landowners. And yes, it is typically agriculture, wildlife, um, conservation type land, yes. You know, that reminds me, I just read uh, that one problem they're having is that uh, some of the illegal immigrants are eating dogs because they're hungry. So they're they're I, I, killing dogs and eating them, and that for for pet, for the Americans who love dogs, that's pretty dramatic. That might uh, wake up is. a few people that have been asleep. I don't know. It is, of course, in our area, it's mostly property damage, yep. um, where they walk through, um, they destroy watering places trying to get to water. Where now many landowners have put uh, special spigots or water barrels that contain um, jugs of water to try to keep them from breaking uh, they, uh, these areas and then also fences. And um, uh, you would not believe. I want you to come to South Texas and see some of the damage. I would, it's I, quite amazing. You know, I have to just interject. I was I was getting ready. To, I'm part of a Border Patrol Council, and, and they had a trip that, to go down. And then I real, when I looked at the map, I realized how far South Texas is away. And because I work and do the show, I just didn't, couldn't. It would take so long to get down there. That is, give us an idea. Like if when you leave D.C., how do you how do you get back home? Um, so it's a direct flight to D.C. and then from D.C. to Corpus Christi and then drive another yeah. hour. So oh, just an hour? Just a little over an hour. Okay. So so Brooks County, where this where the association was formed, is okay. about eighty miles north of the border. And we're having all of these issues. So obviously the border is not secure or we wouldn't be dealing with what we are. I know I've interviewed a lot of the ranchers through the years and they've talked about this, that they're scared for their their girls with these men coming across their property. They're just flooding across and uh, they have theft of their animals and damage to their property and all of this. But and we can talk about that. But I I wanted to ask you, are you uh, to ask again? Are homeowners in cities and towns or small towns experiencing any of this also? I, not that I hear. I think what they're experiencing is the increased crime, the in- increased drugs, the increase of gang violence, because this is in every major city and small town in urban areas as well in the United States. The transnational criminal organizations um, are in control of the border on both sides. And they have their own areas that they protect, and that includes in the United States. Um, So I think everybody needs to wake up and realize that even though it's not maybe uh, affecting them directly, that they see it actually is. What, What does that mean exactly? Spell that out. You live down there. What does it mean that the cartels are in charge? Are, they, are you saying where you live, they're in charge of that? Oh, yes. They're in charge what does of that the, mean? the gangs, the smugglers, the, the, the various um, prison gangs that work the area. Um, they are controlled by the various Mexican drug cartels in Mexico. So they have a plaza, like the Gulf Cartel will go you know, straight up the pike from um, Matamoros, McAllen, and then straight up. Uh, to the the highways that go to San Antonio and Houston, all the major thoroughfares. And then the Zetas have control of the Laredo area uh, coming in from Nuevo Laredo and then on up into San Antonio as well. And and so that's where, you know, they push the people, they push the sex trafficking, they push uh, the drugs. And, of course, that is what's going to affect everyone. Uh, young young people, teenagers, young adults, as we're seeing right now with fentanyl. On the practical level, um, 
when property owners have their, like ranchers, have their buildings damaged or their wells ruined or whatever, can, does insurance cover that? So yes, there is some coverage, um, but that's something we've been working on for years is landowner compensation as it pertains to border security damages. And we're still stumped. Um, we've tried uh, through our congressmen and senators. We've looked at FEMA money where the uh, law enforcement gets their stone garden monies. Um, we've gone on the state level. Uh, some counties actually do um, help the landowner. For instance, Brooks County, um, they, have, they hire, have hired a fence company and they call them. If they were in charge of the pursuit or um, a smuggling pursuit, and typically they'll drive through, if they can escape law enforcement, they'll drive through fences, gates, and they'll just keep going or bail out. And you've heard that term, I'm sure. Um, and so Brooks County will call up the, the fence guy and ha you know, tell him where the, the property damage was, and they come in and repair the fence. So that's, that's everyday life. In Brooks but, County. but there's a saturation point, I'm guessing. Well, it is. You will not be able to keep that up. That's true. That's true. There's only so many resources. So, okay, so your, your association, your, you, what is your hope? What are you guys trying to do? Well, we always think outside of the box. We're small and nimble, and we're able to get a lot of, uh, we've been able to have some successful legislative efforts in 2011. Um, we were uh, instrumental in passing state legislation that limits the liability of uh, the landowner when law enforcement, that's federal, state, and local, uh, come on their property to do their job and also beefed up the, the trespassing um, liability. Um, so we're always looking for ways to make it better. But right now we just feel abandoned by the federal government. How do you feel about your governor, Governor Abbott? I think he's, um, he's the leader in the room. Uh, he's the one that listens. Um, people started asking and, and calling and crying, basically, and begging, and he stepped up to the plate, and, and he's doing what he can. It's interesting, from my perspective, and I'm not a Texan, it seems like he was slow to come to this party uh, on, on immigration. He wasn't good on illegal immigration for a long time, and now maybe he's like the, the scales are coming off, coming off, and he's done some really fine things. Right. I, I, I believe he has. I think he, he had to. And then I don't think it was so much the immigration. Yeah, so he knows that that's a federal issue. But it's, this, it's the lawlessness. Yeah. It's the lack of order um, that's happening. The and fentanyl, the drugs and everything. I mean, just it's just unbelievable. It is unbelievable. And so Texans can't sustain that. Do you feel yeah. like Democrats in Texas are, is this turning the worm for them? Or are they still, uh, you know, I, I don't know how you can answer that. I think some just keep um, touting the party line. Um, the only one that's really stepped up to the plate for us, for our property rights group, is Congressman Henry Cuellar. Yeah, the Democrat. Isn't that something? He has been. He, He's always been strong on this issue. Yeah, He's really yeah. helped. Yeah, it's pretty pretty amazing. Well, God bless him. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. Well, uh, Susan Ki Kibbe, I correct. didn't even ask you. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> well, now that we're at the end of the interview, I'll get it right. Susan Kibbe, yes. uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank and you, we Sandy. Wish really you appreciate it. All the best. It's yes, very nice to thank meet you. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Sandy Rios, when we come back, Roy Beck, who's been at this fight for decades, goes back with me a long way. Uh, has a new book out that I think you're going to find fascinating. So stay tuned. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk.
This is Frank Gaffney, host of Secure Freedom Radio. It's your personal daily intelligence briefing about the challenges we face, how they're likely to affect you, and what we can do about them. You can find Secure Freedom Radio here every weeknight at 11 p.m. Eastern Time. Tune in to learn from our extraordinary experts what you need to know and will want to share. Join us for Secure Freedom Radio tonight at 11 Eastern, right here on AFR. The AFA Resource Center has all your favorite items. Everything from books, movies, shirts, and even hats. Introducing AFA's polyester and twill hats, starting at just $18. Whether you're into fashion, a collector, or you're just having a bad hair day, these hats are just what you need. You can buy one for yourself or a friend. Purchase your AFA hat today at resources.afa.net. Therefore, the law is ignored and justice is never upheld. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Maryland Congressman Jamie Raskin is a former constitutional law professor at American University College of Law in Washington, D.C. He recently appeared on MSDNC host Chris Hayes' show. During his appearance, he said the U.S. Constitution's creation of the Electoral College is an accident waiting to happen and that we should deal with it. This hostility and animosity toward the U.S. Constitution is rather prevalent among regressives. That is why we very rarely see them uphold it and instead see them work over time to destroy it. The simple fact is these people crave power. The Constitution is an impediment to them. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Preborn celebrates that Roe versus Wade has been overturned. Roe has been responsible for the slaughter of over 63 million babies. Now the decision to abort a child will be left in the hands of the states, and sadly, abortions will continue in the most liberal states. Over the past 16 years, Preborn has positioned their clinics in the top abortion cities where 50% of abortions occur. Preborn's work of saving babies' lives continues at an even greater level as they save babies' lives and defend their centers from the radical hate groups who want to shut them down. Preborn's response is dependent on you, the pro-life community. Be a part of rescuing lives and changing hearts for Christ. $28 sponsors one ultrasound and $140 will help to rescue five babies' lives. Dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby or go to preborn.com. All gifts are tax deductible. This is Frank Gaffney with the Secure Freedom Minute. It's obvious that Joe Biden is not actually performing the duties of the President of the United States. His calendar scarcely has anything on it. He's mostly off-duty in Delaware or Camp David, and even when he's nominally working, he's clearly doing the bidding of unidentified others who are actually making the decisions. This is a national disgrace and a grievous departure from the principle of representative and accountable governance that is at the heart of our constitutional republic. Now, it has become a real national security threat. On four separate occasions, Joe Biden has declared that the United States would defend Taiwan if it were attacked by Communist China. All four times, he was swiftly countermanded, again, by unnamed White House officials. Such behavior emboldens our enemies and intensifies the danger of an avoidable war. It must stop now. This is Frank Gaffney. 
Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. All right, Sandy Rios, back with you for the last leg of the journey today. We are coming to you live <laughs> from the rooftop. Sorry, choke, choke, of Fox News. I'm looking at Union Station with all the statues on the top. I wish I could see the verses that they have. <coughs> oh, a surprise cough. Anyway, it's beautiful. Uh, and <clears throat> I hope you've enjoyed the show this morning, but we're not done. We have another guest that I've actually known for a long time. One of the best, one of the first, really, in this business that I knew. His name is Roy Beck. He's the founder of Numbers USA. But here's the deal. Roy graduated from the University of Missouri School of Journalism, which at one time, it may still be, but not as much, uh, the premier school just noted for graduating really fine journalism students that went on to do great things. And he was one of the first uh, journalists to write about the environment, which I think is interesting. And that was in the 60s. Uh, he became a full-time policy analyst uh, of immigration in U.S. policy in 1991. He's written four books on immigration, environment, and the U.S. labor market, and on ethics, religion, and public policy, and on and on we could go. But then we couldn't talk, Roy Beck. How are you this morning? Hey, it's great. <laughs> I, I was just telling you off the air. Sorry, now suddenly allergies are striking me. <coughs> um, I met you over the... Through radio years ago when I was in Chicago, and I don't, you were doing so many interviews. But in the '90s is actually when you started uh, really into this, right? Full time doing interviews and stuff. Yeah, well, '91 I started, <laughs> but I had a I had a book that came out with W. W. Norton in '96. Okay, and, that and that's probably around the time that we started, yeah, connecting up. Book books will get you. They'll get you going out in the public. Was numbers in existence then? No, no. Okay. The, the numbers was born out of the book. It was a case where the end oh, of the book, cool. the end of the, I had a year-long book tour, and at the end of it, um, was persuaded by some nice people to start the organization. I learned so much from you. That was really the first time I paid any attention to that subject because I was new to radio. I was just starting. That was probably my first year, uh, and uh, just the 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 effect on education on infrastructure on the tax system on uh, ev medical system all of that I learned from you but this morning let's talk about this other thing because you just wrote a new book which has a very interesting a uh, variant it's called back of the hiring line a 200 year history of immigration surges employer bias and depression of black wealth how very interesting that's a that's a part of this story that not many people are telling why did you write this it's actually an, an expansion of two chapters of that 1996 book, uh, which focused on the very special way that immigration surges harm and have harmed the descendants of slavery uh, and continue to do so today. And so I, I wanted to, I actually hoped that maybe there would be some academics that would really expand that. They never did. And here I am, 20, a quarter century later, I go, okay, I'm going to have to do it. So I, you know, I wanted to do the research to get that, his, that the, the, the footnotes, all the things it takes to do, and get that story out. I must say that the what I would call the black grassroots has been thrilled with this book because of what we hear over and over again as I get invited on their podcasts and Twitter spaces, etc., is that this is something that I was sure was true, but I never heard the actual facts. I, I, now I know it. It's proven. And so it's, it's like what was missing in the story and I have to tell you, Sandy, that what is the, what is the thing that when people are losing a, uh, an argument that they tend to go through in recent years, and it's that, oh, you're racist. Yes. And on this issue, mm -hmm. 
of wanting to go back to a more traditional level of immigration, an immigration level, not ending the immigration, but just moving it back to a level that is the right thing for the American people, you, you hear this term racism thrown around a lot. Well, I knew, because of my research back in the 90s, that the, the most racist part of immigration policy is running it like we do now. That is, having mass immigration is one of the most vigorous forms of systemic racism that our government commits against underclass descendants of slavery. Uh, and so those of us who are pushing for a lower level of immigration, for ending illegal immigration, we're on the side of the angels here. Uh, but for the most part, this, without this story, you, you may not understand it. And so I, I did want to, I wanted to equip uh, African Americans with that part of the history, but I, as much as anything, I wanted to equip all Americans, and especially you say white Americans, with the fact that look, let's let's stop let's stop hurting all the the underclasses of a, of America. It's not just blacks, but it hurts black underclass the most, and that's what I am able to show in this book. So um, I remember when President Trump was. I just remember numbers that black unemployment, I remember this, was at its lowest ever. Black unemployment mm -hmm. was at its lowest ever. So what? let's talk about why this is happening. Why is there depression of black wealth? Why are there, why are there fewer jobs for the black Americans? And how does that relate to illegal immigration besides the obvious? Well, one of the things that happened under Trump whenever the, the official unemployment rate got down so low is that there was there was a reduction in the total number of illegal immigrants in this country. Illegal immigrants were leaving this country because it was becoming less e easy. Yeah, less friendly, less easy to make a living, to rise up the ladder. Uh, and also, uh, there were. it appears there are fewer illegal, but definitely fewer illegal aliens coming across the border. But overall, the labor market tightened. He also put some, I mean, he was because of Congress getting in the way, he could only slightly reduce the number of legal immigrants until the COVID. And then when COVID happened, he was able to take advantage of that. And we could see. So now that's a very short period, but nonetheless, the tight labor market is always good for, uh, it's good for all Americans who are uh, not, let's just say, not the most, um, what, the most employable, I have to say. In other words, the people who are, more, who are less educated, less skills, less skilled, and also who may have not have the family backgrounds or the you know the work backgrounds. Because if if you were an underclass, I, I come from the Missouri Ozarks. If you're underclass hill people in the Ozarks in Appalachia, and there hasn't been work in your family for a couple of three generations, then men you don't you don't have a, a model of that. You, it, you have to have an economy in which the employers actually have to recruit you. They have to go find you and get you out of that. And that's true of the, in the Hispanic barrios. It's, it's true of every ethnic group, but it has particularly been true of, of the underclass black population in this country. And, it's, and the, the, what this book explains is that when immigration was reduced by two-thirds in the 1920s, the next 40 years were the one period in which there was incredible economic advancement of blacks up to 1965. Uh, and the, the white, the white uh, workers saw their real incomes increase by two and a half fold, 250%. But black workers saw their real income increase by 400% during those 40 years, tight labor markets. That was the one time whenever black, black 
Americans rose faster than white Americans. But in 1965, Congress started mass immigration again. And since then, uh, uh, all non-college workers have seen real income just stagnate. And those who have, uh, who, who have uh, less than a high school degree have seen like a, a 30, 40% reduction in their uh, real income. Well, look at all the problems we have in this country, the social problems. They, they, they heavily are related to the fact that, I'm gonna say the fathers, more than anything, the fathers in these populations have not had jobs that could pay to support a family. You know, that reminds me, I, uh, I've referred to this on the air before, but there's a book uh, written by a, a black author, Clifton, can't think of his last name, but it's called When We Were Colored. It's about the uh, black family in the 50s. Mm -hmm. It was a great book. Interesting. And uh, it, he just describes solvent families, husbands, wives, children, working, uh, prospering, you know, you know, increasing their, their lives, living regular lives. And it, it correlates with your story a little bit, what he's describing. Yeah. The book is called Back of the Hiring Line, a 200-year history of immigration surges, employer bias, and depression of black wealth. Can people get this anywhere, Roy Beck? They can see it. Get it on any of the, the bookstores and also uh, Amazon. Okay, Back of the Hiring Line by Roy, Roy Beck. It's a great. Maybe we could talk about it when we have more time on a different day, Thank Roy. you so much. It's really great to see you. and uh, In person. Yeah, in person. <laughs> all right. Well, listen, thank you. Thank, thank you all for listening. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow on Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.